Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with Janali Jones. Janali is a Gunai woman. She was the winner of the Black and White Indigenous Writing Fellowship, and her writing has appeared in Overland, Southerly, and the Review of Australian Fiction. Today, she's joining me to discuss her debut novel, My Father's Shadow. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ongoing connection to the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Final Draft explores the best of Australia's books, writing and literary culture, as featured on 2SER. Now, the Great Conversations podcast is your chance to hear more of these discussions. Kaya and her mother are on the run. They must flee their home and escape to the isolated hamlet of Mount Wilson. Kaya has witnessed something, a crime she cannot remember. Now her father is missing and she is in danger. Hidden in Mount Wilson, Kaya struggles to regain her memories and hide herself from the world until an unexpected encounter changes everything. Join me as we discover Janali Jones, my father's shadow. My name is Andrew Popel, and I am joined in the studio by Janali Jones. Janali is a Gunai woman. She was the winner of the Black and White Indigenous Writing Fellowship, and her writing has appeared in Overland, Southerly, and the Review of Australian Fiction. She is joining me today to discuss her debut novel, My Father's Shadow. Janali, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful. I kind of love this book. We talked off air about the idea of spoilers, and we're going to avoid them as much as possible because this is a fantastic, suspenseful mystery. I want to introduce people to it. We enter my father's shadow and you take us on the run. Kaya and her mother must flee their home and escape to the isolated hamlet of Mount Wilson. Because Kaya has witnessed something, a crime that she cannot remember at her father's office. Now he is gone and she is in danger. So when we meet Kaya, she and her mother, they're on the run. It's the middle of the night. It sets us as readers immediately off balance. And we remain there sort of teetering as we learn that Kaya has got PTSD. She has memory loss around these events that we just don't quite know about. She is very much the unreliable narrator. And you work with Kaya's uncertainty and unease brilliantly to create suspense. But what I actually wondered was where it all started for you and how Kaya began for you as a character, as a voice, as your narrator. Mm. Well, I started off with the idea that I had this image in my head of Kaya being in this car with her mother, um, driving around these winding mountain roads in the middle of the night. And, you know, her mum is just driving recklessly while crying and she's just emotionally distressed and Kaya's sitting there terrified for her life. Um, And so that image I had in my head for a while and... I really wanted to come back to it and just explore from there, like, who were these characters? Why were they driving in the middle of the night? You know, where were they going? And, and what had happened to them that was so so emotionally, you know, distraught, made her mum so emotionally distraught? Was it necessary for you to have some image of, of Kaya whole, like a character who hasn't experienced all of the things that, as a reader, I now know she's experienced? Or did you discover along the way who she was? Um, well, I think that it was definitely, um, a character that developed for me as well over a number of drafts. Mm. Um, the first draft that I wrote, which I submitted to the Black and White Fellowship, um, it was a very different story. And Kaya was a very different character back then as well. Um, 
I had to change a number of the themes that the publisher thought was maybe a little bit too <laughs> intense for young adult. So um, once I removed some of those themes, um, her character did change quite a bit. So it mm. was a process of discovery on sort of multiple levels for me, as well as, you know, linear narrative-wise and between drafts as well. That is extraordinary and fascinating to me. Um because Kaya goes through a lot. Like, yeah. I can't believe there was something more extreme. This is, if books had DVD extras, this is where I would want to watch and, like, maybe <laughs> find out what those things were. Mm. Of course, I suspect they're things that you can't really even allude to because um, of the mystery. I, no, I can because it has changed to the, to the point where I can talk about what the themes mm. were because when I, um, when I set out to, to write it, um, I... I didn't have young adult in my head as the sort of where the novel was going, like the audience for it. I was just writing this story. And so if you think about the difference between adult writing and young adult writing and, and themes that were probably a bit too racy, so things like, you know, maybe, you know, intense sexual scenes or gore or, um, you know, that sort of thing. Those were sort of along the lines of things that were included. So um, she was um, like the victim of... Uh, abuse so that's one of the things that I I had taken out mm. and um, yeah because that was such a, a major factor taking that out really changed who she was and changed the family dynamic so mm. yeah um, but you know I I think that it's it's a much better book now than um, when I originally submitted it for the competition okay do you feel like the themes that you would like to come back to and explore because I, I can see how that would completely change Kaya's narrative arc, but also how it would have worked within the story. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that it was more about building around a backstory for that character. Okay. And in that version of the story, she was very much a victim who was just surviving. And while she is still a victim in many ways in, um, you know, this the book that we have now, I think that she is a really strong character mm-hmm. and that despite, you know, some of her weaknesses, they actually make her stronger, you know. Um, her PTSD, she deals, deals with it, I think, quite well. Mm-hmm. And she's able to, you know, work on... Um, putting her life back together and trying to recover her memories. And she's very strong for wanting to take an experience that was obviously very traumatic and do good with it by, you know, trying to recover her memory so that she can take her father's place as um, a witness for the court case. Okay. Now, you've, you've told us that it began recklessly driving through these winding mountain streets. And, of course, My Father's Shadow is is set in this small Blue Mountains hamlet of Mount Wilson. I think a lot of listeners, if they know Mount Wilson, would know it as kind of a heritage town with manicured gardens. Mm. But in your hands, it it turns into a place of discovery for Kaya, but also of horrific suspense. How did you want to work with the landscape? And what did it mean for the story? I mean, because it it really plays out like the scene is a part of the the character of the story. Yeah, definitely. And that was um, important for me to shape the setting, like the Blue Mountains, as almost like an, an additional silent character. And if you sort of uh, look carefully through the book, you can see how um, the the mood of, of the mountains or the weather is actually reflective of the of the action. And you know, there's this 
scene towards the beginning where it changes so much and it's very eerie and there's this fog and, and she, you know, ends up having a car crash and, you know, she can hardly see a few feet in front of her. Mm. And it sort of reflects this this terrifying situation where she's in where she's had a had a car accident and she's um you know she doesn't know what to do she's not supposed to talk to anybody she's not, she, her mum has set all of these rules which is part of them being in hiding in the mountains where they're not supposed to make contact with other people in case you know these criminals who that who are after them track them down mm. um so throughout uh the the mountains kind of does this thing where it reflects action or it it drives action so um that was very very deliberate and i also wanted to you know create a real sense of what that place was like mm-hmm. and i went out to mount wilson did a research trip and you know i really wanted to make sure that the descriptions were very realistic so people who have been there or people who live there can recognize it as oh you know this is you know very true of mount wilson and um you know that was such an invaluable thing to do because it meant you know, when the characters go to the lookout, I was able to describe what what it's like when you stand there, you know, what you can see, what you can hear, mm. the colours of the plants at that time of year. Um, and I also drew on my experience of living in the hills. I used to live in the Adelaide Hills, which always, when I go to the Blue Mountains, it reminds me of that, you know, oh. sort of style of living. I used to live across from Cleland National Park. So Blue Mountains always reminds me of my childhood and mm. I wanted to put that experience into the book as well. Yeah, me, me also. I went there with my family when I was younger and I tried to get up there. I love that place. You are absolutely going to have me looking over my shoulder uh, <laughs> at what the weather's doing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, maybe I'll stay in today. Uh, the weather is looking ominous and I think they're after me. You you mentioned the car crash and uh, we have this situation where Kaya is, is very restricted in her life until she runs into a local guy. Literally, she runs into him. Um, and that's sort of, that's like the catalytic event for the action, or, or so we think, because new people come into Kaya's life. Eric and Kaya's relationship, the boy that she runs into, is, is transformative. It takes Kaya out of her exile. It offers her a chance at kind of some sort of normalcy amidst all of this trauma. They're both to differing degrees, I, I saw, outsiders in their communities and in their families. Mm. And I wondered, how does being an outsider impact the way that trust works in a relationship? What did you want to show there? Well, I think particularly for Kaya, having Eric as a character there was someone that kind of helped keep her grounded with reality a little bit and you can see that he kind of makes her question things like even her mum's strict rules which she knows are in place for a reason Mm. you know she starts to to question them and even break them you know she's not even supposed to contact anyone but she starts building this friendship with this with this guy Mm. who's who's a local um but I also felt that you know they are they are both having this this sort of situation where um they are sort of removed from their families in different ways, whether that's, you know, geographically or, or culturally or because they're having a different experience in the in the way that they're they're growing up or experiencing their life. So I thought that it, it would be good to have that reflected and that was something that I think they f- find common ground in. Mm. 
um, because Eric is Korean-Australian, um, but obviously the way that he is experiencing his life is very different to his parents. And he, when he finds Kay as someone who has a similar kind of cultural experience where it's sort of like you're in two worlds and mm. and that, you know, was something that... Um, they they had in common. Do you feel like that's something that we have to, or, or that that often gets written for younger sort of teen and and sort of older teen characters that we lose a little bit as adults that feeling that we bond over being outsiders because it feels like it feels like we see those narratives depicted in that teenage experience, but maybe not so much for olders. I'm not sure. I was just wondering. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, <laughs> is it a reality or just a cliche that um, younger people can the, the, bond y- the over younger, simpler things? Younger, <laughs> younger, younger outsiders coming together over their differences and succumbing them. Right. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm. I mean, I, I think that friendships as adults can be a lot more complicated. Mm. I feel like when I was a kid, I could basically just, you know, strike up a conversation with someone. Oh, you're my friend now. Mm. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, when you become an adult, things are just more complicated and so it's it's not as easy. That would be my read on it anyway. Yeah, and, and cryptically alluding to all the things we can't talk about in My Father's Shadow, mm-hmm. um, is it that we as adults complicate things when we don't need to? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also as adults we try to, I guess, protect people from certain things when it's not always... The, the best outcome and um, uh, yeah <laughs> well, that's that's a great segue because there you're sort of looking at the way we take on authority as adults and there is a lot about authority in my father's shadow in fact you ask significant questions I found uh, about authority and what it means and what it means to exercise it and I am treading really lightly around spoilers here I think it's pretty safe to, to cryptically say that men and authority have not mixed well for Kaya. Mm. And that she, she generally has to work really hard to understand who she can trust. Um, and right from the beginning of the book, she's put in this situation where she is unsure. All she knows is that something is wrong and she has to escape from it. Um, these uncertainties are, are absolutely essential for a good mystery. The, the whole, who do you trust? But were you also looking to address some broader questions around authority and Australian society in the book? Hmm. I don't think consciously I was trying Mm. to do that. Um, And I think that um, in terms of male authority, I think that, you know, she had such a good relationship with her father Mm. when he was around that... um, it, you know, it's kind of a weird situation because she's um, having to live in really close quarters with her mother in hiding. And it's, it's you know, her mum is the parent who she was less close to, who mm. she could, you know, have conversations with not as easily. And then um, when her mother's friend Bennett starts to, you know, um, come around and, and, you know, he's a long-time friend of her mother's, but... Um, you know, he's a policeman and, and you know, I think that also when someone has a job like, you know, a policeman, mm. there's there's often uh, by default this sort of sense of authority that, that comes with it, you know. He's an authority figure she definitely has to come to terms with yeah. because he, he really saves her in some senses at the beginning of the book, but then she wonders, well, why are you hanging around so much? (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, obviously there's a history there between the, her, him and, and her mother. Um, but I I think that as a teenager as well, she still has, even though she's, you know, 17, 18, she still has that need to rebel mm. for the sake of rebelling. <laughs> um, and everyone's different, but, you know, sometimes it can be hard to to see, you know, a parent move on after divorce mm. or, or what have you. Um, so, you know, that's something that she struggles with as well. It was really interesting, uh, the, the comments you made about rebelling, and there are moments where we get to see that sort of juxtaposed Kaya's rebellion versus her mother's, and there was an interesting conversation that, as I was rereading sections this morning, I came across where it's a memory where Kaya overhears her mother in conversation with her grandmother mm-hmm discussing, you know, what is happening in the familial relationship. And Kaya's mother talks about what's going what would what would happen if the unspoken thing that we're we're not sure about were to go ahead and would Kaya be able to stay with her mum because um of of the way that sort of power and authority would be perceived and, you know, he's mm. a he's a respected MD um, and he would probably get custody, and this, but this need that Kaya's mum had to rebel against the the strictures she felt in her relationship. Mm, yeah, mm. and that's. I think that Kaya doesn't really realise that how much she does parallel her mother, mm. because her mother and so Kaya's mother and her grandmother, there was a rift there mm. in the family, and. It's, you know, her mother has doesn't really want anything to do with her grandma because of tensions that they had, and and you know there's a there's a lack of trust there as well, and that's actually quite you know reflected in the relationship that Kaya has with her mother as well, and it <laughs> kind of reminds me of Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you've seen the show, but <laughs> the first time I watched Gilmore Girls story, I was totally on the side of of the mother because again, it's mm. a mother grandmother rift thing. Mm. Thinking, oh, this grandmother's so horrible. But then when I watched it, I've watched it so many times. But when I watched it through again, I was like, oh, well, actually, there are two sides to the story, mm. and sometimes you're presented a story in a way where you're just seeing it through one character's eyes. But when you kind of look at it again, you can see where the other person's coming from, and it doesn't seem as crazy or you know unfair as it it does at first and I think that you know I'm hoping that people will read through the book and then kind of reconsider some of the things that are happening in the actions that different characters have taken from different perspectives not just Kaya's perspective mm. I can also reassure listeners that in my ma- my father's shadow they talk nowhere near as fast no. as the Gilmore Girls <laughs> depends how fast you read <laughs> I, yeah I get I actually as I thought that I thought isn't that the beautiful thing about reading is you, yeah you can just slow it down if you need yeah, to definitely it is no it's really hard I did I say this already I, I read this in a in a day it is a book that just challenges you to keep going and I guess also another other thing uh, is the issues of secrets and transparency. That makes you want to keep turning pages because there are secrets and we know that we're not being shown everything. For Kaya, she's denied knowledge and access to this system that she's become a part of, the trial that she's supposed to take part mm-hmm. in. She really doesn't know much about it except that she has to be ready for it. And even in her own education and her own future, she has no no agency it felt like this also mirrored her questions and her desire uh, to to connect with her Indigenous heritage and her culture. You've talked there about the rift between her grandmother and her mother and that sort of searching that she has. And what I wondered, though, is it is, for you, is it possible 
Or do you feel like it's possible to have faith and trust in systems that aren't transparent and that don't let you in? For Kaya, she's very much not allowed in. She's just asked to take it all on faith. Mm. I think it's hard, particularly at that age, to to take things on faith. I think if she was, say, I don't know, uh, even five years younger or, you know, she was just, you know, 10 or 11, I think at that age it's very easy to to trust your parents and just mm. go along for the ride. And, uh, you know, I remember a moment in my life when I kind of realised, oh, my parents aren't always right. They don't mm. know They don't know all the answers. Um, and, and particularly, you know, late teenage years, that's when people are starting to, to question them, themselves, their identity, sexuality, all that kind of thing. So I think... At that age, it's it can be a very difficult thing to to do. Mm. Would would it necessarily change for characters like Kaya or even Eric? Would they perhaps even if they were five years older? Would do you get the sense that I, I felt like they might still suffer at preconceptions and and bigotry around who they are culturally, their heritage? Would they be afforded the same sort of respect and authority if they were older? Would they be able to enter the system on an even keel? I think that's something that comes down to the individual, mm. actually, and what the you know what their background is in terms of like their for in terms of culture, like their cultural yeah. footing. Like I think that Eric is much more comfortable in who he is, you know, and possibly that's because he's older. But then then Kay is yeah. because Kay there's a lot of question marks around that, um, and yeah, I think it does does come down to the individual. Mm. Um, we are talking about My Father's Shadow. It is the debut novel from Janali Jones. It is, if I, if I have confused any listeners with my cryptic questions, it is because this is a fabulous thriller mystery and you really have to keep going to, to find the big reveal. And that's all I'm willing to tease. Janali, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. That's it for this great conversation with Janali Jones. Janali's new novel is My Father's Shadow and it's out now through Magabala Books. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. To keep up with the latest in books, writing and literary culture, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. Click subscribe in your podcast app. It means you'll get a great new new great conversation every week. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Happy reading.